0: Jameson took some of his scraps from dinner and dropped them in the bowl for the cat. It was only a few chewy pieces of tenderloin, but the cat chomped and tugged greedily at it. Jameson was usually more frugal with his food. He rarely gave leftovers to the cat because there were rarely leftovers to speak of. He had to eat very sparingly, being as he was now unemployed, but thankfully he had plenty of food in his freezer so he didn't have to worry about going hungry. Not yet, at least. When the dishes were done, Jameson sat in his favorite chair by the window. The second-story apartment he lived in looked out on an alley, with an opposing wall of apartments on the other side. At its south end, the alley opened up to a bustling street, and there, Jameson could see glimpses of life. The reflections of neon lights in the windows of passing taxis, The voices of excited pedestrians making their merry way from one bar to the next. The excitement of young lovers passing the mouth of the alley hand in hand. Jameson watched all of it from the window of his apartment. He often sat for hours at a time, just looking at the people and the cars. Cyclists, joggers, policemen, dog walkers. All of them apparently with somewhere to go, something to do. That was the part of it that Jameson had the hardest time understanding. That behind the brief glimpses he saw of these people, there were vibrant, storied lives. That each of them had their own busy schedule, their own obligations, their own relationships and fears and ambitions. Jameson felt like all he had was that window and that chair. He didn't have all the things that those people down there in that city had, He didn't have any appointments to be anywhere. He didn't have any friends checking in on him. But he wasn't complaining. He didn't resent those people for having lives. He just didn't understand them. He was unable to comprehend how one person, let alone a whole city's worth of people, could go through life with such a willingness to be involved. People were so eager to forge new connections. They were so brazen. So vulnerable. Don't they know what goes on in this world? Jameson wondered. How do they wake up every day and smile? How do they walk out their front door and do it all over again? Day after day, month after month. The steady stream of drivers and pedestrians never stopped flowing past the mouth of the alley, and Jameson never stopped watching. As it happened, All the apartments on the opposing side of the alley were vacant. And while Jameson sometimes wondered what it would be like to have neighbors, he was ultimately glad that the wall of apartments stood vacant. Because if the apartments were occupied, Jameson would be all but on display. Part of the reason, he thought, that he could unabashedly spend his day observing the street below was because he knew that no one else was looking in on him. If someone moved into one of the opposing apartments, he'd feel exposed. He'd wonder what they said about him, what they thought about the strange man that spent all his time looking out the window. Why doesn't he get a job, that man? Why doesn't he become a contributing member of society? Why is he always watching the people in the street? There must be something wrong with that man. And the worst part was, they'd be right. There was something wrong with him, but it was in times like these that Jameson had to remind himself how far he'd come. It had been a long time since he'd experienced any blackouts or panic attacks, and while he didn't have all the things he wanted, namely a job and a car, he at least had a roof over his head. He at least had enough to eat. When the cat had finished with the scraps, Jameson picked its bowl up off the ground to throw the remaining bits of bone and tendon in the trash can. Only the second he lifted the bowl off the floor, a spider, which had apparently been somehow trapped beneath the bowl, came running out. It zigzagged across the floor towards Jameson's exposed feet, and he panicked, screaming out momentarily before dropping the bowl on the arachnid. The bull shattered into a few dozen pieces, killing the spider, and the cat, which had at first been curious about the spider, was evidently startled by the commotion and bolted into the bedroom. As Jameson stood surveying the wreckage, something dawned on him. He looked at the jagged pieces of ceramic, the few chunks of meat and bone scattered across the kitchen floor, and he realized that he could see them with a surprising amount of detail. His apartment had taken on a sudden illumination, he realized. It was brighter than usual. He turned to look, searching for the source of the light, and what he saw shocked him. There was a light on in one of the apartments on the other side of the alley, the apartments which had always been vacant. And it wasn't just any of the apartments that was illuminated. It was the one directly across from the one Jameson lived in. The second floor, third unit over from the south side of the building. Staring out across the alley, Jameson noticed that a rain had begun to fall. Heavy droplets thumped against the glass. And through the rain-streaked window, there was movement. He saw a figure in the window of the apartment across from him. The figure slid into view and then stood in the empty apartment, seeming to stare right at Jameson. Had they been there the whole time, lingering just out of sight? Had they seen Jameson during his humiliating moment of panic, when he'd screamed out and dropped the bowl on the spider? Jameson glared at the figure, feeling already exposed, already like he was being scrutinized by the eyes of a newcomer. He didn't like being looked at. He didn't like being watched. And he didn't like how little he could make out of this person that was watching him. The person that stood in the opposing window was remarkably nondescript. Jameson guessed that they were male, but he couldn't be certain. The only source of light was behind them, so it did nothing to illuminate their features. But even without these details... Jameson could feel this person's eyes on him. What were they doing? Why were they staring at him? Their silhouette unmoving in the harsh light of the empty room. Unable to bear this perverse new feeling of nakedness, Jameson drew the blinds before retreating to the bedroom, where he would be out of view from the watchful eyes of this strange newcomer. Jameson had a hard time thinking of this person as a neighbor, Neighbor, he felt, was too generous a word. The imposing new presence bearing down on him felt more like an intruder than a neighbor. Eventually, Jameson coaxed himself into bed. Everything will be all right in the morning, he told himself. He held his eyes tightly shut, and eventually sleep came. His rest was fitful, and several times throughout the night he awoke to find himself drenched in cold sweat, tangled in a mess of knotted sheets. When dawn broke, almost all signs of the previous night's rain were gone. The sun shined hot and bright in a clear blue sky, and it baked the dried sweat into a crust that covered Jameson's skin. He rose from the mattress and hobbled out into the front room. There, he hunched low and blinked a few times, gazing out the window. He squinted through the glare and studied the apartment across the alley. He could see no movement inside, no personal possessions set about. It looked vacant, empty. Was it possible that he'd been hallucinating the night before? Was the intruder imagined? And if so, what did that say about the state of his condition? Were things getting bad again? He ate breakfast, and afterwards he decided the day would be best spent cleaning his apartment. The first step to a clear mind is a clean house, Dr. Klosowski used to tell him. So he set about his chores. Forget about the person in the building next door, he told himself. They don't have any power over you. He vacuumed and dusted and organized, repeating similar mantras to himself along the way. All you have to worry about is your own domain, he said. Take care of yourself, and the rest of the world will work itself out. The mantras kept him calm and motivated, freed his mind from worry as he tidied the small apartment. But even the mantras couldn't help him when he made the discovery. He had checked all the chores off his list, except the final task of changing the bedsheets. He removed the sweaty wrinkled sheets from the bed and was about to put the clean ones on when he noticed the mattress had a horrific looking stain on it. It was the color of dried blood. It even smelled like blood, like slaughter and rot. It was roughly the size and shape of a torso and it appeared near the center of the mattress. As he looked at it, Jameson found himself inspecting his body for wounds. Was it possible that he'd suffered some kind of injury in his sleep and bled onto the bed? No, that wouldn't explain it. Because then there would be blood on the sheets as well. But there was no blood on the sheets. If it was blood at all. It was only on the mattress. The sight was ungodly to Jameson. But it was also perplexing. Even if he could get past the fact that he'd been unknowingly sleeping on a giant blood stain for who knew how long, which he couldn't, he was still left with the question of how it got there. Jameson didn't have a lot of romantic partners, but there had been a few. Nevertheless, he was pretty sure he would have remembered if any of them had bled profusely in his bed. And even if it was from a sexual partner which Jameson knew it wasn't, he still would have seen the stain. He washed his sheets regularly and had done so at least half a dozen times since he last had a woman over. There was simply no reasonable explanation for the stain. None of it made sense to Jameson. All he knew was that the previous night had brought the arrival of the stranger. And now this grisly discovery had been made. And for some reason, he was inclined to think that the two things were connected. Though he couldn't say exactly how. After dinner, Jameson sat in the chair by the window. Night had begun to fall, and there was still no sign of the person he'd seen in the other apartment. For a while, he began to think he had hallucinated the stranger's presence. That nobody had moved into the empty building and that, though his mattress was ruined, he would at least still have the privacy of his window, the periscope through which he viewed the world. But then, as if purely out of spite, the apartment on the other side of the alley was suddenly illuminated. Jameson's jaw hung open as he watched a tall, lanky man come into view through the window. It was the same man he'd seen the night before. The man was carrying a stack of boxes, which he set down in what appeared to be the apartment's kitchen. It was only when he saw this that Jameson noticed the moving van parked below him in the alley. This man was moving into the apartment across from him, he realized. He watched the man take a series of trips down to the van, carrying several boxes up with him each time. The man appeared normal. He wore basic, conservative dress owned sensible furniture. But Jameson had a rotten feeling about him. It seemed to Jameson more than a coincidence that this man would move into the apartment directly across from his. Jameson felt like this man wanted something from him. And again, that suspicion stirred in him. That strange, vague suspicion that this new neighbor of his was somehow connected to the stain he had found on his mattress. A billowing wind had picked up, and every so often it shook the windows in their frames. When the man had taken his final load of boxes up to the apartment, the moving truck pulled away. Jameson watched through the window as the man closed and locked the front door of his apartment, before turning and walking from room to room. "'seeming to survey the boxes and clusters of furniture. "'The man walked into the bedroom of his small apartment, "'where a few boxes, a bed frame, and a mattress were set against the wall. "'Jameson watched as the man set about assembling the bed frame. "'He worked quickly, seeming quite adept with his tools, "'obviously very sure of himself. "'When he was done putting the bed frame together, he gripped a mattress about to lay it down on the frame. But then he stopped. With his hands still gripping the mattress as it stood on its side in the middle of his room, the man turned and looked directly at Jameson. He seemed to be making an effort to look spontaneous, like he had just happened to notice Jameson at that moment by chance. But Jameson felt a distinct suspicion that the movement was carefully choreographed. The man, smiling now, waved at Jameson. But Jameson didn't wave back. The irony of the situation was not lost to him. How convenient it was that the man would stop and acknowledge Jameson at the exact moment that he was putting the finishing touches on his newly assembled bed, his nice, clean bed, with his white, flawless mattress. Meanwhile, Jameson's own mattress sat in the other room, tainted by that sickening stain. When the man realized Jameson wasn't going to return his warm welcome, he shrugged and went about his business. Jameson decided he'd had enough for the night, and retreated to the bedroom. He flipped a mattress over, planning to sleep on the side that wasn't soiled. He lay there in silence for about an hour, but he couldn't stop thinking about the stain. So he took his blanket and his pillow and went out to sleep on the couch. When he awoke the next morning, he was pained by a piercing headache. He drank a few glasses of water and ate breakfast, but it didn't help much. The dull ache went on throbbing in his skull, and he was one meal closer to being out of food. What would he do then, he wondered. He squinted, just as anguished by the thought as he was by the pulsing throb in his head. He squeezed his eyes as tight as he could shut them, and then he held them there. When he opened his eyes, he looked out the window. On the other side of the alley, his neighbor's apartment appeared empty. Perhaps the man had gone to work. Jameson sat by the window and looked at the street below. It was cloudier than it had been the day before looking almost like it might rain again. That was what Jameson needed. A nice, cloudy day. No more glaring sun, just clouds and mist. He had a picture in his mind of a great wall of fog descending on the city. It would be so dense that he would see nothing out his windows. And nobody would be able to see him. He would be encapsulated in the fog. The fog would protect him. It would shield him. It would be the necessary barrier between him and the world. But the fog didn't come. Instead, the day offered scattered clouds and a light breeze. Jameson didn't eat lunch. He didn't have the appetite for it. The headache had brought a spell of nausea along with it. Despite his symptoms, when afternoon was turning into evening, Jameson decided he should try to eat something. He got up from his chair and stood for a second, swaying precariously on his feet. He took a few bumbling steps, authentically surprised at how poor his coordination was. But then, just as he began to wonder if there was something seriously wrong with him, he retained his sense of balance and walked the rest of the way to the refrigerator. He reheated a leftover pasta dish he had made a few days before, He had a vague feeling that the sauce would go bad soon. When he removed the steaming bowl of noodles from the microwave, he gripped it with the tips of his fingers, careful not to burn himself. He set the pasta down on the counter, and as he did, he saw his neighbor's apartment light up. The tall, brown-haired man walked into view. He was carrying a briefcase in one hand and a few white plastic bags in the other. Jameson took his bowl of pasta to the chair by the window, careful not to take his eyes off the neighbor. The man set down his bags and removed a container of what looked like Chinese food. For a moment, he held up the styrofoam container, looking at Jameson across the alley and nodding, as if he was saying, Cheers! Jameson just rolled his eyes. He looked down at his pasta, and his breath caught... There was something there, tangled in the noodles. Something that didn't look like food. He pinched it with his fingers and lifted it out of the bowl. It was a piece of an ear, he realized. The whole upper lobe. He could tell immediately that it was human. It even had the mark of a piercing in one spot. For a moment, Jameson couldn't breathe. He felt the icy tingle of shock falling over him. He looked back up to his neighbor, who was still holding his container of food up. The man was smiling now, his toothy, garish smile. All Jameson needed to see was that smile, to know he was looking at the face of evil. Jameson didn't know what this man wanted from him. He didn't know what he was doing to him or how he was making it happen but he knew this devilish man was responsible for the maladies and misfortunes he was suffering. Everything had gone wrong since this man had arrived, and he was always presenting that sickening smile at the most inopportune times. He went on eating his Chinese takeout, while Jameson still held the human ear he had just found in his noodles. Jameson had never believed in sorcery, spells and witchcraft and the like, but that's what he felt like he was experiencing. He felt like he was being cursed, haunted. He stared down at the ear, wondering what he should do with it. Its skin was a pale olive color, and it had been sliced cleanly from somebody's head. Just looking at it made Jameson feel ill. What he had in his hands was probably evidence of some tragic crime. He was obligated to turn it in, to do his part to ensure justice was served. But what if he was accused of a crime? No, that was a baseless concern. He had done nothing wrong. It was his mysterious new neighbor they would investigate. Surely when they searched his apartment they would find evidence of his depravity. But what if they searched Jameson's apartment? What would they think of the stain on his mattress? No, it wasn't his place to bring the police into this. Jameson took the earlobe and dropped it into the toilet bowl. He pulled the lever and watched the slimy little piece of cartilage, still crested with blood at its edges, as it spun and twirled in the water before disappearing down through the bottom of the toilet bowl. When he came out of the bathroom, Jameson glanced across the alley. His neighbor was no longer looking at him. The man continued to eat sporadically as he worked on organizing and unpacking. Jameson felt a silent rage looking at the man. Why had this smiley psychopath singled him out? Did he have a personal vendetta against Jameson? Did he want to destroy him? To have him labeled a voyeur and a scumbag? Jameson didn't know what his intentions were. But he felt a distinct sense looking at him that... If given the opportunity, this man would not hesitate to rob Jameson of his very life. He took the rest of the pasta and dumped it in the trash, though after he did he almost regretted it. The meal was no longer anywhere near appetizing since he had found the ear in it, but he knew it was foolhardy to throw away food. Every time he opened the fridge or freezer it was that much closer to being empty and he had no idea how he was going to fill it back up. Perhaps he could visit a food bank, he thought. He wasn't above that, after all. He wasn't too proud to accept charity, was he? What if his neighbors saw him coming home with bags from the Salvation Army or the Red Cross? One time, a van from a church had come and offered food to the nearby homeless encampment. Jameson, despite his shame, had dressed in his shabbiest clothes, put on a scratched old pair of sunglasses, and walked over to the encampment for a free sandwich. The experience felt somehow empty to Jameson. It was as though he had been hardwired to be unable to enjoy or appreciate anything that he didn't feel he had somehow earned. The sandwich served its purpose of temporarily filling his stomach, but there was no aspect of it that he enjoyed. Regardless of pride, though, when it came to matters of hunger, he would do whatever was necessary when the time came. But at that moment, he felt like he needed rest more than he needed food. He still felt that dull ache in his brain, and his coordination seemed only to be getting worse. Every time he stood, it took him a few seconds longer to retain his balance, It felt like the new neighbor's mere presence was slowly degrading his motor function. He yearned to regain his sense of self. He didn't even need any special vitality. In that moment, all he craved was to feel normal. It would be such a gift, he thought, to just feel like himself again. Maybe if he got out of view from the new neighbor, he would be able to regain some of his strength. He pictured the new neighbor as a kind of vampire, slowly hollowing him out from the inside, slowly infiltrating Jameson's apartment and haunting it with whatever freakish powers he seemed to possess. Yes, get away from him, Jameson thought, half walking, half crawling towards his bedroom. There he would lock himself up, shield himself from the prying eyes of his neighbor the wicked intruder that was trying to suck his life force out of him. He needed to recharge, but that was all. Then he would be feeling right as rain. Only he still didn't feel comfortable sleeping on the tarnished mattress. And there was no way he was going to sleep on the couch in full view of the neighbor. Even if he drew the blinds, he still feared his neighbor's vampiric effect would be able to reach him. So, instead, he took some blankets and piled them in the bedroom closet, where he lay on the floor, curled up in a ball. It was the only place in the apartment where he truly felt safe anymore. Eventually, he dozed off. He didn't dream as he slept, or at least he didn't remember his dreams if he did. But when he awoke, he believed he was dreaming, because he could hear a voice speaking to him. It sounded joyful and welcoming, though Jameson couldn't make out what it was saying. It reminded him of the voice of his grandfather. It was warm and baritone. The voice cleared, and as it did, it turned from a comforting tone into a mocking one. Why are you hiding, Jameson? 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 His back pressed against the wall of the closet, and he could feel the words vibrating through the structure of his apartment. It wasn't just a voice in his head. It was a real and terrifying presence in his home. Don't hide from me, Jameson! The voice went on. You know you can't hide from me forever. Jameson opened his eyes and looked out at his bedroom. He knew the blankets would offer little defense from anything, but he pulled them all the way up to his face anyway. Looking out through the crack in the door, he took inventory of the darkened room. Everything was as it should be. Despite the voice he had woken up to, he didn't see any sign of an intruder. Only, then he noticed something move. It was a kind of bulge. A sagging on the underside of his mattress. It began to swell down through the slatted bed frame almost to the point of breaking before Jameson realized what he was looking at. There was something inside his mattress, and it was in the process of coming out. First, he saw an arm break free. The wandering fingers of the hand reached down towards the ground. Then the second arm broke free. Jameson screamed out, and then realizing he'd given his location away, he jumped to his feet and turned on the lights. Trembling, he got down on his hands and knees and inspected the underside of the bed. The stain was still there, but there was no bulge, no massive tear where a monster had crawled out. He was alone. He gave the rest of the apartment a cursory search, but it didn't reveal anything. Although that wasn't to say Jameson felt safe. He was still struggling to catch his breath. He still sensed a vague, looming danger. He was abhorrently hungry, though. He hadn't eaten almost anything the day before. He went out to the kitchen and reheated some frozen casserole. It was the only thing left in the freezer. He checked the fridge, but the only thing in there was a carton of milk that had gone sour and a half-eaten bowl of minestrone soup that was about to do the same. He was all but out of food, he realized. He'd known this moment was coming, but that didn't make it any easier to face. He decided he would worry about it later, though. Or maybe he wouldn't have to. Jameson ate the casserole in the dark. He was still somewhat nauseous. His head still throbbed, but the symptoms had taken enough of a back seat for him to get some food in him. When he finished eating, he stumbled around his kitchen for a bit, searching through the drawers until he found a 28-inch rotisserie skewer with a sharpened tip. He felt the weight of the skewer in his hand. It was long and cylindrical, with a bright metallic shine. He slid it down the leg of his pants and put his hand in his pocket holding the skewer in place and walking back and forth across his living room, trying to ascertain whether he looked natural. And as he did this, he still occasionally heard the voice that had spoken to him in the bedroom. "'Why are you hiding from me, Jameson?' the voice taunted. Well, he wouldn't be hiding for long, he decided. He walked out the front door of the apartment for the first time in weeks, feeling momentarily blinded by the bright fluorescent lights in the stairwell. When he got outside, he tried to take long, straight-legged strides across the alley, doing his best to conceal the skewer. But he struggled to maintain coordination and, at several points, nearly toppled over. He held his breath as he pulled on the handle of the neighboring building's fire exit, worried that he would trip the alarm. But no alarm sounded and a few seconds later he managed to drag himself inside. He stumbled his way up to the second floor, feeling a deep, surging pain sink into his arms and legs. When he got out into the hallway, he peered around the corner at his neighbor's front door. Not a moment later, though, the man walked out, apparently on his way to work. He wore a striped, collared shirt with brown slacks, his hair combed into a neat, plasticky form. Jameson threw himself back behind the corner before the man could see him. When he was certain the man had gone, he hoppled over to his front door. He expected to struggle with the lock for a while, but was surprised when he popped it open in only a few seconds using an expired credit card. When he got inside, he immediately closed and locked the front door, leaving it just as it had been a few moments before. He was curious about the possessions of his neighbor, and for a moment he was tempted to search through them, but that wasn't what he came for. He pulled the skewer out of his pants and held it to his chest. Then he lay down on the floor, beneath his neighbor's bed. He lay there in silence for the rest of the day. At some points throughout the day, he would hear the voice speaking to him though it wasn't as loud in his neighbor's apartment as it had been in his own. Sometimes when he heard the voice, he would laugh quietly to himself. Sometimes when he heard it, he would snarl. Once he even yelled out, I won't be hiding for long, in response to the voice, but then scorned himself for his lack of discretion. As the afternoon dragged on, Jameson could hear his stomach begin to growl. The hunger was setting in. It was the most familiar form of torture he knew, the never-ending need he had to feed himself, to quench that mysterious thing that originated within him. "'You can't hide from me, Jameson,' the voice went on. "'Don't try to hide from me, Jameson.' Sometime in the late afternoon, as the sun was beginning to set, Jameson heard the front door open and then close. There was a few seconds of silence, and then the man began to move around the apartment. He sounded like he was eating and perhaps unpacking. He listened to a carpenter's album, clearly unaware that a man lay under his bed with a -a two-and-a-half-foot rotisserie skewer. Apparently exhausted after a long few days, the man soon took a shower and got ready for bed. It was just after 8.30 when he walked into the bedroom and lay down on his bed, only inches above Jameson. Another hour passed before Jameson slowly rose and stood at the sleeping man's side. He placed one hand over the man's mouth, at which point the man awoke and began to scream. Jameson immediately thrust the skewer into the left side of the man's neck. A rich flow of blood poured from the wound soaking the pillows and bedsheets the man's muffled screams turned into a loud wet gurgling noise as the skewer worked its way through his neck jameson expected it to slide right through the man's flesh but the tip must have been blunt because it took him nearly a minute of thrusting and gouging before he could pierce it through to the other side of his throat jameson stood back and eventually the bleeding began to slow When he was certain the man was dead Jameson took a long stuttering breath It was over The voices in his head had finally stopped Though there was no real reason to go back to his old apartment now He would make a new life for himself in this place If he cut up the body he could probably fit it in the freezer He would have to clean all the blood off the bed as well But perhaps he would worry about that later. First, he had to eat. He was unbearably hungry. Ravenous, even. Hey... Uh, If you're still listening, I want to first say thank you. I really, really appreciate everybody that has checked out the show and listened and written to me. Um, I also want to let you know that I have a Patreon. If you sign up for a $3 donation, you get to hear every episode a few days early. And you also get access to my audiobook, Solace. It's over eight hours long. It's kind of a cosmic horror uh, slash thriller mystery. It follows a burned-out journalist that becomes obsessed with an unexplained missing person's case. You can hear the first 30 minutes of the audiobook on the episode titled Solace. And if you like it, definitely check it out. Subscribe. Uh, You can listen to the Patreon feed, obviously, on the Patreon mobile app, or you can listen on whatever podcast app you like. There's a private RSS feed that you can plug into whatever app you use. And uh yeah, the book is broken up into sections, so it's a little easier to keep track of where you're at. Check it out. It's patreon.com slash A-C-E-P-H-A-L-E. There is also a link in the show notes of this episode and in the bio of the show that you can click on. So yeah, that's all from me. Um, if you enjoy the show, please leave a rating or a review and... Yeah, thank you so much. I seriously appreciate you guys. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling-medical-investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd,